Thanks for listening to Pep Talk. If you're enjoying the podcast, there's one way you can really help us out, and that's by going to your podcast provider, whether that's the iTunes Store or Google Play or Spotify, wherever it is you get your podcasts from, and uh, rating the show. And if your podcast provider gives you the opportunity, also leaving a, a brief review, because that helps other people find Pep Talk and get plugged into all the great resources that we have here for you. Thank you so much. Well, hello, and uh, welcome to Pep Talk, the Persuasive Evangelism Podcast. I'm Andy Bannister uh, from uh, the Solar Centre for Public Christianity, all the way up in Bonnie Dundee. And I'm joined actually today, not joined by my usual uh, partner in crime, Christy Mayer, but I'm joined by Gavin Matthews, also from Solas. Gavin, welcome to Pep Talk. And why are you in the other hot seat? Christy is currently delivering a lecture on philosophy somewhere in North London. So somewhere I can only apologise for not being Christy. Simply no excuse. But we have an exciting guest uh, joining us today. I'm absolutely thrilled that we have uh, Tracy Cottrell uh, joining us. Tracy, welcome to Pep Talk. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here too. Now, Tracy, like so many of our guests, wears many, 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 many hats. Uh, but perhaps the, the main one that you wear is you uh, You work for the London Institute for Contemporary Christianity, LICC. Right. Um, you and I also knew each other. Was it we were saying 20 years ago we, we studied theology? Yeah, it is twenty years ago. Twenty years ago, just, Tracy was yeah, a was a teenage prodigy. I just stressed that she was <laughs> so kind. <laughs> Don't do the maths. Um, you're also an author, and one of the books that you've recently uh, written that's come out through uh, through LICC is this six uh, session Bible study on Mark, which is subtitled "Living the Way of Jesus in the World." That is a really intriguing subtitle, Tracy. Living the Way of Jesus in the World. What is that all about? Well, I mean, the book is all about Jesus, of course, because it's all about the, uh, the, the account that Mark gives us of this extraordinary person, uh, Jesus Christ. But of course, Jesus is, uh, you know, wasn't uh, tucked away in a corner somewhere in a synagogue all his life. He was out there in the world um, uh, living out his calling um, and drawing people to himself. And of course, you know, that's, that's essentially, you know, this wonderful adventure that we're called to also to follow Jesus, to learn to live his ways in our world today. So living the way of Jesus in the world is, um, is essentially the invitation, isn't it? And uh, how we learn, you know, what that's like and how to live it out. That's the lifelong adventure that we're all embarked on together. So, um, yeah, so Mark's gospel, um, the amazing person of Jesus. And, and what, do, what do we learn from the way that Mark gives us that insight into Jesus and who he is, what he came to do and how he lives and what all the implications of that are for our everyday lives, not just our Sunday lives, but our Monday to Sunday lives. And that book is available through LICC directly. Would that be the best place to get hold of that? Yeah, you can get it through uh, LICC or um, IVP. It's published, published by IVPs on Amazon. Um, but yeah, go straight to LICC because they've got some great deals um, on book purchases and things like that. And we'll put, uh, we'll put a link great. in the show notes as well. Fantastic. Lots of people will be aware of LICC, and for many people, that immediately makes them think of sort of Christianity in the workplace, Christianity in, in the secular world, um, yeah. unlocking the gospel from being trapped in church-based events, and talking about what the Christian witness in the secular world is like. Is that still very much at the heart of what your work is and what LICC are about? 
Well, it's very much um, uh, at the heart of it, but it's not the only um, you know, uh, uh, area of work that LICT is involved in. In the sense, um, being a Christian in a secular workplace context is a really good example of what it means to say to answer the question, well, where has God has placed you? And so many people, of course, are placed in um, a secular workplace context and for a long time over many years. So what an exciting opportunity to learn to live the way of Jesus in that context. But of course, people retire or people um, live uh, other kinds of lives and, you know, they volunteer or they're caring for elderly parents or, um, you know, you know, we've got a whole life, haven't we, where we, we, we live out um, our lives in lots of different places. So LICC, in a sense, embraces the all of our what we, we might call our front lines. Mm-hmm. So where we work, of course, but where we live and where we play and where we create, and where we volunteer and where we study. So wherever we are, if you like, there's an opportunity to be. Um, God's person there, God's man or woman or child as as well, of course, in school um, for his purposes. And of course, those purposes are rich and vast and exciting. So, you know, this is an adventure we're called to live with Jesus in the world. I think sometimes, I love the way you, you, you frame that, Tracy. I think sometimes, don't we, we have this, we can have this tendency to almost sort of privatize our faith. You know, faith is what happens on on Sunday, it's a, it's a church thing. And then the rest of the time we have our, you know, our work life or our social life or our, or our school life. What are some of the things that maybe you've, you've learned, perhaps even personally, but how do we break some of those barriers down? How do we start, you know, as you put it in the title of the book, living Jesus in the world, making sure he's not just stuck in the four walls of our Sunday Christianity and getting him into the everyday for people perhaps listening to this thinking, yeah, that's a challenge. I need to think about that. How do, how do we start? Cause sometimes it can feel quite daunting. I think for folks, what are the, what, what perhaps the first steps? I think, um, you know, the first steps is to say, well, who am I really? You know, and if I'm my, my core identity, I, I'm a son or a daughter of the king of the universe. You know, we, we pray that prayer, don't we? We pray the Lord's Prayer so frequently. And, you know, what that prayer is, is a, a prayer for all kinds of things. You know, your will be done um, on earth as in heaven, your kingdom come and all those things. And we're, in a sense, we're, we're praying for regime change, aren't we? And when we pray to God, our father, we're, we're, we're not only declaring whose we are, but we're also um, saying, well, actually, we're drawn into the father's business. And the father's business is cosmic. It's huge. It, you know, Jesus is Lord of all. So why wouldn't that mean Lord of my bit of his world as well and my relationships, my work, my family, my. So in a sense, I think it does. The starting point to say is, is really to say, who am I? And to know that actually I am the beloved daughter. I am the beloved son, my heavenly father. And that makes all the difference. And therefore, if I'm called to the father's business, of course, that is without uh, without end, if you like, without end. 
And you're meeting and interacting with people that are engaged in this kind of stuff all the time. I know you're involved with people who are sharing their faith at work and universities and all sorts of different contexts. Could you maybe tell us a couple of stories of, of people that you know who have been putting some of this into practice, who know what it means to be the beloved son or daughter of God in their work and what it means that they are a faithful, non-privatized Christian living their faith and bringing Jesus to the context that they're placed in? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, can I tell you uh, two stories, actually? I'll tell you a work story, and then I'll tell you a story of somebody who's not in a paid paid role, because I think that's as, as, as significant as as being in, in, a, in a paid role. Mm. So I um, have a couple of um, friends who happen both to be actors. Well, it's not been an easy time, has it, over the last couple of years to be in that kind of field? And they've really struggled in terms of work and all kinds of things. So number one, do they still know that actually they're called to steward the gifts that God has given them? Well, yes, they do. And so part of their own discipleship, if you, if you like, is to stay faithful, to say, OK, I'm not working. I'm not on the stage. You know, can you imagine, you know, the thing that brings you one of the things that brings you greatest joy and you're prevented for do, from doing it? You know, it's just hard, isn't it? So in a sense, I've just watched these um, these lovely, lovely people go in a sense deeper into well who am I really well I am first and foremost a child of God and therefore this is not going well for me at the moment but I'm going to trust my heavenly father so that's been a really exciting thing now of course life is opening up for them and I'm starting to hear them talk about things like you know what sort of conversations they're trying to have with people in the dressing room while they're waiting in between the scenes and they they go on stage or whatnot and the fact that you know if you're in a dressing room and you're all in your underwear or getting changed and it's a very intimate context isn't it and it's somehow, you know, a place where people will open up and share things that are going on in their lives. You know, and when you pray with this couple and you hear how they pray for the people that they're going to be, you know, on stage with or on tour with or whatever, and you hear their heart for, uh, for them to come to know Jesus and their heart to, you know, that these people flourish and their sense of offering themselves in that context to God for however he would choose to, to use them. I think that is so beautiful, so beautiful. And I, I, the, the other um, story that I just kind of comes to mind is actually a story, for, you know, that I heard a long time ago, actually. And it was, um, uh, it was a colleague of mine from LICC and he was up in a, with a church in the northeast of England and uh, you know, uh, help, helping out, et cetera, et cetera. And he went to this, a small group or very ordinary house group in the evening. And they were going around the room uh, asking each other, well, you know, what do you, what do, you do and how's God using you? And they came to this a lovely older lady and she said, oh, I don't really do anything. I should, I'm just, I'm a grandma and I look after my husband and I, you know, and I have my, my grandkids come over on Sunday and, you know, she said, I don't, you know, I'm insignificant essentially is what she said. And they, and they started to ask about her grandchildren. And it turned out they, they've got this picture of, well, there's these 10 year old kids, but actually one of them was a, 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 grand, a granddaughter of 23. And she said, oh yes, she said, she always asked me, you know, what, this, what, what, what happened in church that morning? What did the, what did the vicar talk about? And she recounts the sermon and she talks about 
Jesus and God and what, you know, whatever, all these things. And you suddenly realise, and the vicar happened to be in the room, he says, you suddenly realise he's not preaching to a small group of elderly people. He's preaching to them and people like her 23-year-old granddaughter who's going to be getting his sermon secondhand later on in the day. And you suddenly realise, number one, she had no sense of her significance in God's purposes in the life of her family. And actually the vicar had, had sort of not quite grasped the significance of what was happened in a gathered context that would impact a scattered context later on in the day. So I think one of the things that I've learned over the years is that, that, that there is a lack of real um, attentiveness, an awareness, a sense that this is an honourable, dignified calling of significance that every single one of us is called to, whoever we are. We don't need to be big and important or anything. We just need to be available. And actually, God is already working through people. We, we don't always have to start something new. We just have to notice what he's doing already. There's a lot of, um, a lot of wisdom in there, Tracy. Uh, thank you. I think I think the other thing that's that's helpful in there that I remember somebody years ago said, and I wish I could remember who said this because it's a lovely kind of idea, lovely quote, is the fact that you know every one of us, particularly in a more secular post-Christian culture, probably every Christian has people in their lives who they may potentially be the only Christian they they know, and the, so that that sphere of influence is incredible. Say whether it's a grandchild or an ex-door neighbour, or just a friend you play darts with down the pub, or a colleague, or whatever, and to just say be be prayerfully asking the Lord to draw those people to your attention. Who are the people you're, you know, don't let you look for new opportunities, look for the ones around your nose. But something you said there interested me, actually. Um, you talked about the, the, the vicar who hadn't <laughs> fully tweaked that he had his immediate congregation and his extended congregation, which is, which is great. One question I have, obviously we, we have quite a lot of vicars and ministers and church leaders and whatnot listen to, to pep talk. And I think there's obviously, there's a, there's a challenge, there's a need here I think for church leaders to think about that when they're preaching and, and pastoring, how do we equip the folks in the pew, not just so they can have interesting thoughts about, you know, Mark chapter two, but so they might be able to talk, you know, meaningfully and winsomely with whoever it is, those non-Christians in their lives work, you know, friends, neighbors, whatever. Is there anything that you've learned that you would, you know, sort of pass on and, and share with those folks, people who are listening to this, who are preachers, are there things that those of us who are preachers should be thinking a little bit more about perhaps, when we're communicating in order to better yeah no it's a super question um i think one of the things that i would say is don't underestimate the power of the invited story and what i mean by that is uh, you know those those people who are preaching obviously are you know have power do have power and so what um a, a minister pastor pays attention is seen to pay attention to people will notice and so, you know, it's very easy sometimes in the testimony to get into a little bit of a sacro-secular divided testimonial mode, if you like, where you, you tend to, you know, celebrate the people who've gone out on, on mission trips or those who've, you know, et cetera, et cetera, in the sort of in the church kind of world. But what happens when a minister says, you know, I just really want you to hear from Andy because I'm so excited about what God is doing through him in his context, which is X, Y, Z. In other words, in a, 
in a in a secular context because you know we want to celebrate what god is doing through him and we want to we want to pray for him and others like him who are in similar contexts so i think you know and, and i think you know drawing attention you know to and, and and going out of your way to invite that story of you know where you know where has god placed you you know what do you see him doing there what's the challenge What's um what's a kingdom opportunity? And you know, if you happen to be, I don't know, in in accountancy or something, well, who else is in accountancy in our congregation or in finance or something? Well, let's pray for you all while we're praying for Andy, because actually we really trust that God is going to work through you guys uh, where you are. So I think there's a you know that's a in, you know in a in a pastor's toolkit. The power there is a, the power of the invited story, which is I think is really underestimated. But you have to be very very attentive to, you know, to avoiding the sort of slide into the sacred and in a sense stay in the secular context as well. Mm-hmm. And isn't that the case for us working alongside each other? Not maybe in a kind of a more of a power relationship. The, the person in the pulpit. I was thinking about a group I meet with six of us. We read the Bible and pray together once a week. And I think I'm writing saying that three or maybe four of the people in the group are the only Christian in their workplace. Mm. So how can we support each other when we are gathered to be more faithful, more fruitful when we're scattered? What does that look like in practice? What what can I do to really support my friends who, who may be going to a workplace where they are the only Christian week by week? What, what can I do to support and serve uh, there? Yeah, that's a super question as well. I, th- I think, um, I think, you know, just being aware of that is a really great step anyway. In other words, if I'm preparing to preach and teach, I'm thinking about, well, who am I seeking to encourage, uh, provoke? What are their contexts in which this, the implications of this text that we're exploring together might have an implication in a number of different ways? And in a sense, to be really intentional in that, in preparation. And I think the other you know, some, one of the things that, you know, I know a number of ministers do is that if they're going to, say, preach through, I, I don't know, the book of Hebrews or something like that, they'll get a group together, bef- you know, as they are in the preparation of that series and say, so, you know, who are we preaching to? What, how, how will this, you know, what's the significance of this text for people and for their context? And it is, you know, you do have to sort of be really quite intentional and go in the next step to say it's not just about their character formation or their faith formation but it's the missional output of that as well in terms of their everyday context and uh, you know we we can glide over things you know it's so easy to glide over the fact that you know David you know was was a musician and and, and whatnot but he was a soldier <laughs> he, was, he was King David but he was also a soldier and, you know you think when you actually see so what what was the context that he was in you think well Actually, he drew from his everyday context in, in understanding what does it mean to live, you know, in, in faithfully with such a God, a God as we see in Scripture. So I think the, the sense of intentionality, making sure you, you know, uh, you know the opportunity, taking the opportunity to find out, you know, as often as possible, what's going on in people's lives? Where are they? I mean, what is extraordinary, I think, is if you take any church congregation, if you actually mapped where everybody was Mm. and you say this is the kingdom impact of our people Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that's not diminishing food banks or anything like that it's all part of it 
But I think there is something, you know, Graham Cray said, what, you know, the re-evangelization of the nation, you know, is not going to happen without the full participation of all God's people in their everyday context. It's not the only thing, of course, but it's really important part of it. It is. And I think, I think what encourages me, of course, when you look through scripture, you know, there are so many examples of God using people at all levels. You mentioned, obviously, David, I mean, King, so like top of the heap, yeah, yeah. but then, you know, right the way down to Joseph languishing there in prison and the impact that, that he has, and, you know, men and women throughout scripture from all kinds of different backgrounds. And of course, even a donkey, actually, in the case of Balaam's ass. So to go there, you know, <laughs> however, however low down the pile you think you are, that God can make use of you. But Tracy, I'm conscious that you've, You've worked in a variety of places. Obviously, you know, you, you work for LICC and, and do other yeah, yeah. Christian bits and pieces now. But of course, you've been in business. You've been a, a student. You've been a, a, a mum and raised kids and, you know, worked in been in that kind of family environment. Mm-hmm. What are some of the ways? Are there any kind of sort of examples that you can sort of sort of all willing to share from your almost your own experience of this, how God has used you in some of those different things? What are some of the lessons that perhaps you've learned personally, uh, you know, applying this in some of those very different settings that you've operated in over the years? Yeah, you said, and immediately you kind of go to all the mistakes that you made en route, you, but... Uh, <laughs> that's, that's, that's fine, because we learn, we learn from those. We learn from those two, don't we? Yeah, so, um, I, I mean, I think um, in, in my earlier years, I, I worked in advertising, so I was in advertising and marketing. And um, I think what I, one of the things that I learned there was the importance of truth-telling. And, um, you know, I think it partly goes back to uh, one of the things that I'm bothered about, which is, you know, people having a big enough understanding of, of, of the gospel and the implications of the gospel. Because we can, you know, so, you know, imagine me in, a, in, an, in an office context, in an advertising context, you know, if I'm in the little, you know, kitchenette making a cup, cup of coffee and I don't have a chance to talk about Jesus all day or, you know, is that a good day for Jesus, you know, as a Christian or is it, you know, rather mediocre? Um, but if I've had the opportunity in a, in, a, in a meeting, in a sense, to speak truth into a context, so, you know, my, my, my trade, if you like, is a, is a researcher, so I use data and whatnot, and, you know, there is a temptation sometimes, you know, uh, in certain organisations to twist data uh, research to say what you want it to say and not necessarily to, you know, to, to re- reveal some things that are less good. So, so if I have the opportunity to be, you know, to be a truth teller and to be trusted as somebody who is trusted with data, uh, then actually, you know, that has a whole set of implications for my relationships with people. So being a mouthpiece for truth and justice is the one of the ways that I can bear fruit for Jesus in a day. And, you know, I would hope that, you know, I could model godly character, that the work that I do is, you know, is of good quality, et cetera, et cetera, that I'm a positive influence, a godly influence on the culture of that organization and the noticing people and the kindliness and the, you know, avoiding gossip and all of those those kinds of things. And along the way, talking about Jesus as I get opportunity to do so. But in a sense, you know, all of that is bearing fruit, isn't it? You know, f- for the kingdom. But if I only think that it matters to lead somebody to Jesus that day, and that's the, you know, and that's amazing when that happens, of course. 
Um, but I think people lose out on um, the joy of doing life with Jesus in the world. And I would just, I think that was, you know, I think I had to learn that, that, that actually I had to look for what is it that God gave me opportunity to do today? Um, how am I going to pray into that day? Um, if it doesn't go well, does it matter? You know, so, you know, you celebrate. I think celebration really matters, actually. But I think my big point is to say, you know, if the, if the, if, if we have a small gospel and a limited understanding of the implications of that, we will not experience the fullness of life with God that he would just, you know, so delights in really. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's, personal, a, there's a huge amount personal. in there. Huge yeah. amount. I think we've got time. Do we have time for one more question? We've got time for yeah. one more question, but I love the one way more question. Okay. Question. Put one more in before we completely run out of time. So just want to ask you that in closing, you have, I suppose, a, a bit of a bird's eye view of what's going on in terms of the church and evangelism in the UK. What surprises you the most at the moment about God's mission in the world here in the UK? How much he's doing. Hmm. I mean, that's the thing is, I just, it's just, you know, when you actually pause to notice, you know, who's serving, you know, who's ministering to those, you know, with, with, with needs in terms of uh, deprivation and whatnot, who's, who's running the youth groups. Um, you know, if, again, you know, the little picture I painted before, you look at your congregation, your community, your worshipping community, where are they? God is working through every single person in that context, but are we noticing it? And I suppose that's, you know, the surprise is we don't notice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but God is just what God is doing. And that's not to say there's not more to do and it's not a challenge and all of those true things are true, but if it's also true that God is God and God is sovereign, then he is at work. Hmm. What a, what a place to come and, uh, and land on. I'm glad that was your, answer tracy i mean one of the things that amazed me actually you know i moved back to the uk five and a half years ago from you know six years in canada and mm. you know traveling across the country now is that the, the green shoots that are everywhere as you say it's not always dramatic sometimes it's quieter but it's god is working in so in so many ways and uh yeah like you i'm i'm encouraged i'm hugely excited tracy's been a privilege to have you on pep talk if we had double the time we could have filled it thank you for taking uh, the time. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. And if people want to check out uh, Tracy's book, uh, we uh, we mentioned uh, her six-session Bible study on Mark, Living uh, the Way of Jesus in the World. There'll be a link in the show notes or on the, the, the Facebook social media post that you've found this podcast. So do, do check it out. It's not a big book. I'm a great fan of little books that you can really get into and aren't going to take you a lifetime to go through. There's so much great stuff uh, in there, either on your own or in a, in a group. So do check that out. And uh, I'll be back uh, in a couple of weeks' time for another episode of, uh, of Pep Talk. Whether I'll have Christy or whether it will be uh, the, uh, the effervescent uh, Gavin Matthews we shall uh, find out but uh, wherever you've caught this podcast thanks for listening and we'll see you next time on Pep Talk